Welcome to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. And welcome to Homestyle. It is great to have your company. Every couple of weeks, Shana Blaze joins me, Jane Neild, on the podcast. And of course, we're doing it all thanks to Red Energy. Born and bred in Melbourne, that's Red Energy. Well, of course, Shana needs little or no introduction. But hey, you might be listening to this podcast for the very first time. Shana Blaze is, of course, the interior designer, author, TV presenter, winner of the Celebrity Apprentice 2021, although that feels like just so long ago now, judge on the block on Channel 9 and founder of Voice of Change Australia. Shana, we're still in lockdown, so you are joining me from your new little Renault. And I said to you as soon as you turned your Zoom camera on, look at that gorgeous blue velvet creation behind you. Tell me about your new banquette. Well, I can't tell you where it is and what it does, but it's, um, you know, I, it's not a secret I, I love all forms of different types of blue and teals and um, aquas. And so I've been able to sort of indulge my favourite colour palette because there's a lot of sort of beautiful things that I've had in storage and things that make me happy. So, you know, I think I might have said it to you on one of the podcasts that it wasn't until I started bringing these things out of storage that I realised that all my happy colours had been suppressed and hidden and you know even myself I, I I want people to bring out their happy colors for their home and I, I actually had all of mine in storage and forgetting um, how it was impacting me and it it's uh, it's a rather large like you're sitting on a, a beautiful sort of banquette you said uh, how do you define a banquette um, am I thinking this is like a long seating that goes along a dining room table or a wall in a living space it, a, a banquette is it's almost like a um, – it doesn't have to be fixed, but it, it's sort of defined by the depth of it. Most couches are sort of like, you know, anywhere from 800 deep to a metre. A banquette sort of sits at probably about six or 700, so it's more like a, a dining seat. It's more like a, a small couch. So you could have a, you could have a banquette seat in um, a lounge room area, um, but it, it's more about slim seating. So lots of um, space in a room if you're not taking up the whole space by chairs. So it kind of gives you those options without having clunky chairs everywhere, yeah? Yeah, and it makes it formal though because you do you can't lounge. You, you do have to sit upright. It's more of a conversation, conversational type of piece of furniture. Oh, and I'm just dying for you to zoom your camera out so I can see the rest of the room. But we will find about that in, uh, in due course. Of course, your new little renovation, which every time we chat, I say, how far are you away from finishing? Uh, things have been, it's been a roller coaster, really. Let's just put it bluntly. But uh, how, how are we looking now? Like, can you do a final reveal anytime soon? I think I think the thing is, like you know, we are in our third lockdown. People can't do things in occupied homes, so you know, I am partially occupied in here, so that stopped a lot of things being finished off. Um, so it's just all those little bits and pieces, just trying to get finished, and this lockdown is really stopping that. But it just still means the build, building industry can still go on, but not in occupied homes, and that you know, and that's fair enough. We just don't want people sort of in our homes doing that. Now, that's really interesting you say those final little touches and those little end stages of a renovation because today on Homestyle, all thanks to Red Energy, I wanted to chat to you a little about 
defect reports. So I've been watching the block fans be faves this season and we will be referring to the show. Uh, No spoilers. We're not going to give any judgments out because if you like me, you might just record a batch and watch them all at once in a big binge. But Keith and Dan this year are doing something a little bit new, which is prior to the revealing of a room, they are going through with a fine tooth comb and actually doing a defect report. So what's your take on this little addition to the competition, Shana? How's it been received? Um, Look, I I think it's fantastic because the thing is a lot of the defects, uh, you can't always see the defects and they are doing a defect report, pushing them out and giving them time to rectify it if they can. So it's not like they they do it, you know, at 9am on a Sunday and we come through through at 9.30, they do the defect report on, you know, probably the Friday, late on the Friday. So they've got the, the 24 hours beforehand to be able to um, address the, the defects. And the thing is, you know, a defect report usually comes about once the build's finished, but because they do it at such high speed, it gives them a, an opportunity not to have to go back all the time. So I, I think it's a great thing. I think it's really good. Um, people don't like to be pulled up what's wrong in judging, so now this defect report gives another heightened sense of how dare you. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have to say there was, a, there was one where um, – I won't say who it is or or what it was, but there was a defect that I said, you know, Keith and Dan said this defect, let's check it out. Um, And it was not ever said my sentence wasn't finished, so that was edited out that, you know, oh, okay, that's been fixed, that's cool. And I actually got um, trolled by some people (laughs) uh, who had to do with the show, which I thought was quite ridiculous and because what was that defect was actually rectified before mm. it was done. So it was, and they would have known that too. So for, for them to have a go at me, I just think settle Gretel, mm-hmm. you know, it is a competition, it is a show, and also, the, the you know, you are being judged on what is seen in front of us. So I think it's, it's really important to, um, you know, sort of look at if something's wrong, you fix it, and if you fixed it, um, Fantastic. That's great. But it's just, yeah, I think there's a lot of heightened emotions just not while filming but also afterwards. So I'll be interested to see what happens in the future (laughs) to cause that. I think you might be right about that. And, yes, people, it is a television show and not every single word can actually be mentioned on the show. There is editing involved here. And that's the thing, like, you know, we're there, we judge for a good eight hours of the day. Oh, eight hours. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And if you think of the amount of time that we are seen on screen could be, I think that segment's only 15 minutes and Scotty's talking half of it. So you put that into context as well and, you know, just be aware that, you know, when something's pointed out, yes, it's pointed out, but just take everything in, in context. Now, it's interesting that you say that, um, so I sort of want to bring that back to people who are renovating or building themselves, that you say the defect report is usually done at the end of the process. So yeah. is that wise? I mean, would you recommend people sort of go through earlier than that? Because in one room, there was actually issues with plastering that just wasn't quite up to scratch. And, you know, when the light was shining on certain areas, 
You wouldn't want to leave that till the end, would you, when then other fittings and furnishings have been uh, put in after that? If if someone is having on-site inspections as they go through a build or as they visit and look at a renovations progress, shouldn't you be pointing that stuff all out as you go so that not too much gets done before it can be fixed? And that's the difference between what's happening with um, on the block and what happens in the real world is that, you know, you don't finish a room completely, then move on to the next. Um, you do, you know, all the framing at the same time. You do all the plastering at the same time. So you do get all those checks and measures that go through. I'm talking about normally Normally, the, the defects list is when you it's completely finished, you think you're all happy with it, it's amazing, and then you do that full walkthrough before you put any um, furniture in and go, oh, hang on, there's that, there's that, there's that, there's that. The defects list usually aren't major. Um, they're not meant to be. They're not meant to be major that full walls have to come down or plumbing, but, you know, sometimes they are. Sometimes, But it's, but it's not something that happens all the time. Uh, but, yeah, there's always a check going through um, building stand. And that's why, you know, if you're doing a, a build, you need to go in and check on it. You can't just sort of assume that everybody's common sense is going to prevail. So you, you've got to take a, a bit of responsibility of going through and, and keeping an, an eye on some things because things do get passed over. Um, sometimes deliberately, but most times it's not. And is that a process that you should agree upon timeframes with your tradies and your builder at the beginning of a contract? Like we can come on site because I was surprised, you know, I've got a relative who's building at the moment. I'm like, well, don't you just go and check? And she's like, oh, no, no, no. We're not allowed on site unless it's an agreed meeting with the builder, you know, because they don't want you just wandering in any time of day or night. So should you be saying, okay, once a month we have a walkthrough inspection or at every end of every major process we agree that we're going to be allowed on site? Like how would you recommend people negotiate that? Yeah, I think the way you've worded it's perfect is that, you know, um, the, the builder owns the site. That's the thing. It might be your building, but they own all the insurances. They own all the legalities and everything in there. So they're responsible for everybody that walks on that site. You don't get handed over that that home until he gives you that completion. You should have that in the agreement that you're allowed to go visit, you know, and walk around with the builder, walk around. You can't just turn up whenever you want. Um, you can't just sort of go, hey, what's going on here? Because also sometimes things aren't in context. It really, you know, that might be something that has already been addressed, but the people aren't coming back for another two days. And if you come in and say, hang on, that's wrong. It's like, well, yeah, because we're fixing this. So, um, you know, just that open communication of when you're allowed on site and what you can address. And, um, you know, that just makes it a really good communication between you and the builder. Now, Shani, it's interesting you mentioned there that the builder is responsible for everyone on the site. It is their site until the official handover. I don't know whether I've ever seen contestants on the block be breathalyzed before, but the twins had a big night uh, last week. This is like week two of reveals on the block. Uh, they came back after spending the night in the hotel, which was a whole nother sort of saga for some of the contestants. Nice that you're sleeping in a nice comfy bed. Don't think there was much sleeping happening. But the twins were actually breathalyzed and told to go and have a snooze, have some food, you're not allowed to start work until you are at zero, zero. So talk me through that. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been tempted to whip out the breath and go, I'm not quite sure you're up to it today, Mr. Trady? <laughs> uh, look, I have to say there's always early knockoff drinks 
And there's some people that like to have early knockoff drinks and then go back and start working. You go, oh, no, 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 no. It has to be zero, zero. There's so much at stake with OH&S and, you know, there's so much at stake with um, insurances and the builder's responsibility that you just can't do that anymore. Like, you know, maybe 20 years ago, um, you know, especially Fridays used to be once a month, you know, Friday barbecues and beers, knock off at 12 o'clock and most people wouldn't have gone back to work anyway. Um, No, but I think there's a lot of people that have always, you know, had a big night and end up on the building site the next morning. And I have heard of a few people just, you know, go in a quiet corner and just lay on the ground and close their eyes and just (laughs) tap a hammer as though they're trying to do some work. Um, but it, but it's something I haven't witnessed myself, but definitely like, you know, people knocking off early, still on site. They're not even meant to be on site with the beer in the hand. They have to be on the street. So I think the rules are a lot stricter and it's for a really good reason. And I think, you know, um, the boys thinking that they can live this normal sort of carefree life, um, is really different to being on a building site. And and I think that's the thing is that it's not just a reno show. It's a serious building site. There's a, there's a lot at risk for people's health and safety. And, um, you know, it's all quite fun and games. Um, when you think you're in the first two weeks of the show, but when, when you start realizing what the rules are, you've got to pull your head in. And also just productivity wise. I mean, if you're having a big night and even if you're not, you know, over zero, zero to be on the work site, I mean, you're losing hours of productivity. Do you think they'll look back and if they think they could keep this up and just go, oh, no wonder Mitch and Mark got so much done while we were sleeping in. I mean, even just your ability to get out of bed early and make the most of a day is going to give you a huge advantage, isn't it? the twins think they've got good old little youth genes on their side. We'll see what happens. <laughs> and if someone was ever concerned, like if you're an owner builder or, you know, you're employing traders, you're actually doing the project man- managing yourself. If you ever suspected that someone was on the work site and not abiding by all those OH&S, I mean, you'd want to call them out pretty quickly, wouldn't you? Oh, well, you just have to. It's your responsibility. You know, if you're an owner building, you, you own the site. So, you know, if you want a safe site, you've just got to be aware. So let's talk bathroom, Shana. And of course, you are listening to Homestyle. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne. That's Red Energy. I want to go through some of the bathroom reveals. And I will preface this by saying, I've known you for months now, Shana. I've done a bathroom reno. It was only until I saw the show on Sunday and I saw the emergence of terracotta and handmade tiles and earthy tones coming out that I actually had the guts today to email you some pictures of my reno because I've used these Italian porcelain terracotta tiles in a herringbone pattern. I was thinking for so many months, like, oh, I'm so embarrassed to show Shona because like I've got this thing for earthy terracotta and it's not really in fashion. Then I see the block and it's all over the shop and I'm like, yep, maybe I'm on trend. I'm showing Shana my bathroom. <laughs> so what's with that whole trend? I haven't seen that before. And this is the oranges, the reds, the the brick colours really, isn't it? It's really been coming in coming in slowly um, for the last 12 months, um, but it's only because it's in the main, um, you know, the main areas of like, you know, companies that, aren't working, aren't handmade and artisan um, that we're seeing, you know, in the high, you know, the high volume um, suppliers of tiles and furniture and things like that. So it's really now 
coming across as a trend, but it has has been a shift for a couple of years of moving towards those warmer tones, not getting rid of the cooler tones, but just moving towards the warmer tones. And, you know, the movement did start before our COVID lockdown and, you know, it's it's definitely going to be BC, isn't it, before COVID and after COVID, Jesus. <laughs> um, but the, we were looking at those warmer tones before then and, you know, we are in that world of nurturing and, um, you know, we're not being able to get lots of production and things. So artisan has really come to the fore as well, handmade and um, warmer colours. And, and definitely the terracotta has been a big surprise coming through because it was something that I just, in my mind, was like, oh, no one will ever go terracotta again because it was, you know, so big in the 70s in not a great way. Like it was overused. Any trend that's overused becomes an eyesore. But, you know, that was always teamed with Mission Brown. It was teamed with Bright Orange and it was teamed with some really sort of not great things. Um, but the way it's coming out now is quite sophisticated because it's adding a handmade artisan feel but also that Moroccan element which Tanya and Vito were sort of leaning on. And um, you, when you're going for something that's got that tradition to it, like what you're doing with the herringbone style and a style that's, you know, from a country, Morocco. It's something that's centuries old and it has it's steeped in history. That's not a trend. That's an actual real style that will never go out of fashion. It's just how you put it together with the existing new trends to see whether that will date. Yeah, and I guess it's different if you're doing a bathroom or any space to sell whereas I was doing it because I love it. I have no intention of selling for at least 20, 30 years, I hope, if ever. So I guess it's different when you're hoping to attract a buyer. Yeah, and, you know, if you hang on to a house longer than maybe six, seven years now, and that's how quick it is, six, seven years, you're going to have to update your bathroom when you try and sell anyway because someone's going to say, oh, it's dated. So, you know, our trends used to sort of make us safe in our bathrooms and kitchens for a good minimum 10, 15 years. Now we're looking at five or six. So, you know, when people say, oh, will it date? Yes, it will. Unfortunately, something that's two years old will now date. It depends what you put with it that will stop it dating. So let's go to Tanya and Vito's bathroom, which you mentioned had the hand-made terracotta tiles. It was a massive, massive space and they actually didn't put a toilet in it. So for anyone out there planning a build or a renovation, how big a deal is that for you, Shana, to have a huge bathroom without a toilet? They said they're going to put one next door and it will be a separate toilet. But is that just a big no-no? You know what? It's very hard to tell because we don't know what the size of the whole plan is going to be. And, yes, a separate toilet, fantastic. They had such a big floor plan, they could have put the separate toilet within that that footprint. Mm. And that's that's what was quite surprising. It's like, well, you're really sort of wasting space. And not only that, so they had this bathroom with a massive vanity, a big bath and a big shower space. The shower space wasn't um, a double shower. And the shower space, you know, had a, a beautiful bath, and it was it was very sectioned off. So it just it would colours were beautiful, the the approach and everything, but the floor, the the layout of the floor plan, um, I think, is a big miss. Um, a separate toilet will be absolutely fantastic, but at the same time, if you've got a toilet in there, that becomes the toilet that the people that live there use. And if you've got a separate toilet, that just becomes the toilet that friends use. Mm. So. Uh, Separate toilet powder room is really good because that means friends and visitors aren't going into your personal space. So I feel that the house will be big enough that they could have done both. 
Now, the twins, Luke and Josh, we're going to talk about their tails later because we've got a listener question about that. Um, but they actually got pinged a little for their styling. I was impressed, though, that two blokes who have never done bathroom styling took to YouTube to learn how to fold towels and do certain elements of styling. Like, do you have to give them points for actually trying to learn? I mean, they're a fair way behind some of the other couples who have experience in styling. And what would your tips be for someone who's like, I've never done this. I just want my place to look that little bit nicer for the open inspection. Or, <laughs> oh, I totally give my hats off to that. It really, you know, you've got to, you've got to start somewhere. You've absolutely got to start somewhere. So, you know, if you don't get it right the first time, you try, try again. That's what it is. And, you know, for the for the boys to be offended that their st- styling wasn't right, um, learn from it. You know, I've been in the industry for 30-something years. I don't always get it right. So, oh, gee, what did I do wrong? Hang on. Yeah, that was really – no one liked that. What am I going to do about it? Rather than getting ridiculously defensive going, how dare you, I haven't done it before. You're on a competition. You're on a renovation show. You probably should have done the YouTube um, three months ago when you found out <laughs> you are on the show. Like, you know what I mean? You get, yes. you get your starting point. So you haven't done your research before you even got on the show. That is not a problem, but don't be over-defensive. I, I think that's the, the crazy thing is that we are giving constructive points and constructive criticism that the full-on defence of that we don't know what we're talking about is, is ludicrous. Um, but the thing is, what if you stood in the room and you saw the, the slabs of what they'd put on there, it was just something like you wouldn't even do that in the block 10 years ago, let alone on, on the block now. It's just like, wow, wow, I, you know. I, and you can say, oh, they're only 27. I had two kids and a mortgage and ran a business at 27. 27 is not 18 years old. So you know what? Yeah. Here we go. And you could have not gone out on Saturday night and spent your time on Pinterest and Instagram (laughs) instead, boys. So take that from Shana. Now, this one had me screaming at the TV. Why didn't you listen to the Homestyle podcast? Because I know that we spoke about this uh, last year. Taps across the room from where the actual shower is positioned in a bathroom. Georgia and Ronnie, we are talking about you. I mean, you spoke to me on the show about this and said there are some fundamental things. You have pinged people on the block for years for this, Shana. How frustrating is it to walk into a bathroom and just go, I'm standing under the shower with soap in my eyes, and yet I'm having to walk across the room to turn the temperature or turn the water off? (laughs) All I can think of, because Ronnie and Georgia are not just, you know, faves. They're experienced renovators. All I can think of is the speed that they were off-site for a little bit and the plumbers went ahead or they decide, they decided to change the direction of – I don't know what happened. I don't know what went wrong. But all I can say is that I'm quite sure that once the tiles were going on or the tiles were on, they would have looked at it and going, what, what on earth mm. happened there? Because it is, it is a rookie mistake And it's not something that with their expertise and their long-term professional sort of renos would have done. All I can think it was one of those oh-shh moments. (laughs) What do you do with that now? I mean, you can't rip out all the tiles and re-plumb it, can you? The only way to rectify that is that if you would do an exposed breach, which is where you've got the shower and the taps on exposed pipes, and that's a completely different look. That's the only way you could rectify it. 
Oh, that, yeah, I was definitely, it was the face palm with that one. And briefly, bathroom accessories, hooks, not tail rails. Well, you know what? Hooks in certain areas are dependent on how big the space is. If you've got room for a towel rail, put a towel rail in. If you don't, you have to have a hook. But there are also these incredible, you know, you'll see a lot of them, and I've put them in myself, heated towel rails that are vertical. Mm. And, um, you know, you, you drape your towel over it. They're fantastic. So there are solutions for small space issues. They didn't have a small space issue there, so that was one. And then also um, the position of the height. Like I, I think they were trying to sort of keep visual eye consistency of the, the towels at one height near the shower and then the hand towel at the same height, whereas, like, you just don't do that. You just don't do that. And as you were actually, like, showing, <laughs> demonstrating what you meant, the towel falls off, falls on the floor, will never be dry. Is there anything worse than a nice bathroom that has that musty-smelling towel that just didn't quite dry properly? Oh, you know what? That makes me feel like I'm in a share house all over again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Right, Shana, uh, this is, of course, Homestyle for Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne. That's Red Energy. They've got a customer solutions team in Melbourne. So switch to Red Energy today, and they do bring us our listener questions for today. Kelly in Richmond asking you, Shana, why are we seeing so many wet areas in bathrooms for combined shower bath areas? Annoying always having to clean the bath. So I'm assuming that means, you know, you're in the shower, there's no delineation between the shower cubicle and the bath, and then, of course, the bath's going to get dirty as well. Okay, there's a couple of things. One, it's a space saver. It really is. It means you can get that beautiful, glamorous bath. You can get that walk-in shower because you're not restricted by the footprint of um, a a enclosed shower and the door. So that is definitely one way you can get that gorgeous, glamorous walk-in feel and, you know, visual impact. Um, the other side of it, I totally get it because unless you use the bath all the time, the bath does gather dust and you're going to be always wiping it. So if you're only having a bath maybe once a fortnight, um, could be an issue. If you're using the bath maybe every three or four days, you're still going to clean the bath anyway, so it doesn't really matter. The, um, the other part is that there are there's a certain distance and you've got to look, it, and it all comes down to the shower that you're using. So it was a point that I brought up um, and wasn't sort of completely finished again, um, is that Ronnie and Georgia had a very tight space between the shower screen and the edge of the bath. So the it meant that the shower rose was very close to the bath, so it would have got splash every day and probably would fill up with water quite a bit. Mm. Whereas um, Mark and Mitch, they had um, a bit of a wider space, probably it was only about 200 mil wider and a smaller shower head. And that's all the difference to make sure that the splash isn't going into the bath. So if you want to do that, just make sure that you've got that distance. It's not so much the the 100% distance from the shower screen to the edge of the bath. It's the type of shower head you use. Like there's wide shower heads that give off a lot of spray when you're under it. Really look at that as well. So the distance from the edge of your um, shower to the bath and the size of your shower rose will make a big difference of that cleaning area. Mm, yeah, cleaning the bathroom. It's a, it's an ongoing issue. Kelly, hope that was helpful. And Jenna in Pot, Pot's Point, I have all the greys that have been the trend, but now I hear we are going for more warm and neutrals. How do I work with that without getting 
without gutting the whole house. And I've heard a few comments about the judge's criticism of the dark grey tiles in the twins' bathroom on the weekend. So, like, if you've got the dark greys, is it over? Are you meant to be going for the, the warmer tones or can you still work with that? You can definitely work with what you've got. And especially, you know, if you've only just put the grey tiles in last week or two years ago or ten years ago, yes, of course you can work with it. Um, the, the main thing is that... With the dark grey tiles, it's a tile that is used over and over and over again. So something that just has a little bit more texture, a little bit more point of difference um, makes it feel fresher rather than something that you've seen maybe 20 times over the past uh, past two years. Um, I think the best thing that you can do is look at the textures. So let's look at a bathroom first. So you've got all grey tiles on the floor, grey on the wall. Um, It's very masculine. Uh, You look at not just white towels but off-white towels, something that has a bit of a taut colour to it and it has a texture. It might have tassels. It might have a ribbing to it. It might actually have not a solid colour. It might have a, you know, a a texture in, you know, white and off-white that puts a bit of, you know, texture in there and it softens that dark grey. Then you can actually look at maybe your vanity. Maybe you change the colour of your vanity to a warmer colour, like a a beautiful warm grey. You can still stick within the greys. And then also what goes really well with it is this amazing terracotta at the moment. (laughs) Is it really the terracotta, like a beautiful soft terracotta pot with a gorgeous green plant in it will actually work with the greys and not be this really high contrast. So something like that will soften it and make you feel like you're sort of moving towards the warm colours that are here without changing anything structurally. So think about your accessories and your styling and perhaps a a little vanity upgrade and and don't be too freaked out if you've got the grey tiles in the bathrooms. Yeah, you know. But but, but I have to say with the boys, one of the big problems was they had a Venetian plaster wall by the vanity that was so extreme artisan. It actually was quite beautiful. And the grey tiles they took in fought it, but then they also had Venetian plaster on the ceiling. Yeah. It was texture overload and clashing textures. So that's one thing they weren't listening to as well. So it wasn't just the grey. It was so many different elements colliding. And judges did mention they blew their budget on then doing like the ceiling and the skylight. And so maybe just pair it back a little if you've got a feature. Don't waste your whole budget on that and then you can spread the quality around the room more. (laughs) Especially if you're not experienced, like, you know, go in gently and make a, make a couple of mistakes on things that aren't going to cost a fortune to rectify. And, that, and that's a really good thing for every, you know. The, I think the great thing I was allowed to do as a kid, I was allowed to experiment on my mum and dad's house. I was allowed to experiment on my own house. Um, so, you know, as a, a young designer, you know, sort of 18, I was, I was renovating the bathrooms and painting the bedrooms and, you know, going and making mistakes in kitchens and going, oh, God, oh, thank God that was mum and dad's. I won't do that at someone's house. You know, make some gentle mistakes. Like, you know, your first kitchen, don't go for the dream kitchen. You know, just work out the basics and um, learn to tweak it. And then when you do your next one, then make it the dream one. But you're always going to make mistakes structurally with your kitchen and bathroom on your very first attempt. 
Yeah, you just generally don't do it on national television with uh, people like yourself judging. So, oh, Shana, thank you so much. Lots of really uh, practical advice there from the building site and the defect report right through to uh, the styling end of things. Appreciate your time as always. And, hey, in a couple of weeks, who knows where you'll be at. You might be ticked off, signed off, defects all checked and and have a completed renovation, do you think? (laughs) Uh, look, I'm hoping I'll be close, but, you know, we'll just see what this crazy world's going to do with us. I'm just going to be positive and push forward. Yes, and enjoy spring in your garden if it's anything like my place. Oh, my goodness, the bulbs are popping up, the scent of violets and hyacinths and daffodils are everywhere. And when the world is uh, a little bit crazy, like you say, it's really lovely to just see nature and, and just the sun shining. That's That's about all we can enjoy at the moment, isn't it? And you're making me green with envy. I just have mud at the moment. Maybe next year I'll have all that, but I have mud up to my knees. All right. That means I'm going to have to put some extra bulbs in extra pots because I'm taking cuttings as well because, like, my house has got a huge English garden. We'll have to talk, Shana, because I am into propagation at the moment. We might – there might be a truckload of plants coming your way one day. I'm there. I'm there. And that was Shana Blaze. Thank you so much for listening to Homestyle. Of course, you can send us an email with a question. Podcast at sen.com.au. We are doing it all thanks to Red Energy with a customer solutions team based in Melbourne. It's a good time to switch to Red Energy today and we'll talk to you next time on Homestyle. Thanks for listening to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy. Born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. Hello, it's Stavros from O'Brien Real Estate. Want to know what's happening in real estate? Join me on Under the Hammer. Market trends, boom suburbs, and what to do if you're buying or selling. We've got it all on Under the Hammer. Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series. Available from wherever you get your podcasts and the SEN app.